This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. What's up, Double D? <laughs> this is record setting. Yeah, well. this is unprecedented in Tigers talk history. Our third show, although I wasn't here on Friday, third show in four days, Pat. That's right. Uh, you know, it's a well, yeah. It's you a, will have had your fill of Tigers talk by yes. the end of this hour. Yeah, no question about that. No, uh, it's great to be here. Tiger Fest was a lot of fun. Uh, it yeah. really was. I thought that two hours, and truly, I mean, we had uh, Al Avila on, and then he was joined by David Chad, Ron Gardenhire in our first hour, and then, I mean, we had Jim Leland, Alan Trammell, and Michael Fulmer in the second hour. But it was, I thought it was a good baseball conversation. The crowd was lively. I mean, if you can't be optimistic at this time of year, when can you? But I, I just thought it was um, – I mean, very realistic. Nobody's sugarcoating anything. But I think Ron Gardenhire, you, you, all you have to do is look at him and talk to him for a few minutes, and you realize whatever this team is capable of, he's going to get it out of them, and he's going to demand a certain style of play. And I think that's what I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Well, I think everybody's really going to like him. I mean, I know the writers will like him. I mean, uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, was, I said, look, I'm one of those analytics guys. And, you know, I said, what are you going to do? You know, they talked about his batting order and stuff. He says, I guarantee you I'll do exactly what you don't want me to do. <laughs> and uh, he asked him about the bunt. And I thought it was a funny answer because I'll bunt whenever I want. So, uh, you know, I like those old-school baseball guys myself, even if I would have preferred a more analytically-based manager. But he seems to want to learn about that. But to, to give you an insight, you mentioned Bond. It just made me think of a conversation we had on Friday night at the kickoff dinner where we talked about how oh, he's always looking for that edge, always looking for an edge to beat a guy on a given day. And he said, when we played the Tigers and Justin Verlander was on the mound, we knew we weren't going to just beat him the conventional way. So we knew that he didn't like to field bunts. And he hated teams that bunted on him, so we'd bunt on him all the time just to see if we could get under his skin and or get a wild throw and or get a guy on base. But, I mean, that, that to me is an insight into the mind of Ron Gardner. Right. Every single game, he's looking for that edge, that, that one thing that might give him an edge to win a game that day. You know, I thought it was interesting, too, you know, one of the things they said. He said a lot uh, in the time we were there, and you talked to him a lot more on the caravan, and he got a lot of stories. But I thought the one thing that was uh, really interesting he talked about infield practice uh, during spring training, how he is the guy that fields the ground balls and throws them to the pitcher. On pitcher's if, fielding practice. Right. If for no other reason than it makes them focus more because they know the boss is the one that's throwing them the ball. Those are little things little in things. the ledges, you know. And, and to me, those aren't necessarily little things because every manager, as you and I have talked about, talks about we're going to play the game the right way. We're going to pay attention to the, the details. But I think certain other managers have the ability to actually make sure their teams do it, live it, and go out and perform that way every single day because of the way they teach. And I think that's a perfect example of that. We are going to make sure you're locked in on this 
because of the way we teach it. And I think that's 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 a difference-making manager. I think Joe Madden is that way. And I've talked about Terry Francona is that way. You pay attention to every 90 feet. You don't miss the cutoff, man. You hear people talk about it all the time. Well, guess what? Twins teams didn't do that. They're not giving away 90 feet because they couldn't afford to. And I do think those are the teams that pay attention to every 90 feet. Those are the best teams. And I think uh, it's going to be a, a noticeably better brand of baseball at Comerica Park this year, whatever the one-loss record is. Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, because one of the things that we've talked about a lot on this show within the last four or five years, uh, you and I, we both look at all these different numbers. Uh, we're both into the, the new numbers and, and also looking at things like base running metrics, which really aren't that complicated. I mean, they just basically tell you how many runs you give up or don't give up. And it's shocking, really, uh, how much the Tigers give up when it comes down to runs scored just based on uh, their inability in recent years. To prevent teams from advancing. Uh, they, they, they're not good either way. Right. And, uh, you know, a team like Texas, like one year, well, that was a couple years ago, Texas uh, had a worse batting average, worse OPS, worse pretty much everything than the Tigers offensively except for base running. And the, they ended up scoring more runs. It right. wasn't a coincidence. Their base running was so much better, it absolutely accounted for the run differential, which was substantial. Substantial, and the Tigers had better stats everywhere else. Everywhere else. So, you know, I don't know if it's a reflection on Brad Osman. So I thought Brad understood that. I mean, I had conversations with, with you. Uh, you had conversations with Brad, and I had conversations with Brad about that at various times, I'm sure. I don't even have to ask you. I know that you talked about that with him. And I'm sure he's told you the same type of thing. He was aware. Now, the message never got through. And it wasn't just about pure speed, because some of these teams don't have pure speed, but they run the bases smarter. And are better at preventing teams from taking the extra base. Will that change right. with Ron Gardner? Regardless of what the Tigers wins or loss, that's the type of thing I'll be looking at. Yeah, I mean, Bill James' handbook tracks base running, I think, in a creative but yet simple and understandable way, plus minus system. Right. You know, how often do you go first to third? League average is right around 30% every year. If you only go first to third, five out of 35 opportunities, you are well below average at taking the extra base. And I'm a big believer, and I think most managers are, that if you pay attention, you have average speed, you should be at least average, and you have a potential, if you pay attention, to be above average, taking the extra base. And I've talked to Al Vila about this, and people, they're kind of like, and I'll, we'll see whether it's applied, you know, this year. Well, what does this analytics department thing mean? What does it mean? It's sabermetrics and war. No, it's, no, it's not. It's a virtually every part of the game. You know, there's a percentage that you can improve yourself by looking at the different odds. You know, it just creates better chances for you. It doesn't mean if you bunt, you're necessarily not going to work, but it's been proven over an extended period of time, depending on what study you look at. Your run probability goes down when you bunt a runner from right. first to second based on the out that you gave up uh, from uh, being in the almost 90% right. to in below 70%. Right. So it's a 17% differential in chances that you have to score a run as a general rule. People are like, well, you know, that is, so the percentages are on your side. And that, it's that way all the way down the list of all kinds of different strategic things that happen in the game. Right. And then the, the flip side is always, and that's why it's always, that's the fun part of my job is being able to talk to the manager. Brad Osmus did not believe if you saw a bunt early, it was a player doing it on his own almost every time. Right. He never bunted early in the early innings. 
he knew exactly what you just said, that the run probability drops. And then the flip side is, okay, as a manager, I now have to figure out what's my best chance of facing Craig Kimbrell. Is my best chance getting that guy home from first a couple of hits, an extra base hit that's going to get him home, or is my best chance against this guy on the mound with this part of the lineup coming up is my best chance to bunt him over and try to scratch out a run because that's probably my more likely scenario. Again, if you're at the bottom part of the order, it was always about where you were in the order. Yes, he knows that your run probability goes down, but given your order and where you are and who's on the mound, maybe your chances of scoring in his mind just went up, and I think that's that's always something you have to consider. That's what the good managers do. They know the numbers. They know the probabilities. But sometimes you also have to go by what your guy has that day. Yeah. Well, hey, look, we're we're here for you. You know, some of you were at Tiger Fest. Many you were a real good crowd, very enthusiastic there. The caravan was around the state. I know there's a lot of people who just absolutely love baseball. Two of them are right here. And we'd uh, love we'd, to talk to you. Yeah, give us a call two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. We got some open lines. Uh, it's Tiger Talk. Pacaputo, uh, privilege to be here. With Dan Dickerson here on ninety seven won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1, the ticket. That was a, a, we were very happy with that trade, obviously. And, um, you know, we were actually fielding calls on Justin Wilson way back in the, you know, in the wintertime before. And um, and there were several teams that had interest, but we just didn't feel that uh, the, the right deal was there. And, um, you know, and quite frankly, we had the great op- a great opportunity because, you know, he became our closer, pitched very well for a period of time, and, um, and that kind of opened the doors for, for that trade. It was Vila. That was a pretty good trade uh, when you look at uh, no, Candeliero at the time was billed as the big guy, but uh, the guy that they got in Class A is Isaac Paredes, 18 years old. 18 home runs, uh, 28 doubles as an 18-year-old in the Midwest League. This winter uh, just went off, and it was 54 at-bats in Mexico, but he's playing against other players. And I mentioned this before. You know, we have a big population in this town of Mexican. Uh, Mexican town is uh, one of our uh, things, and he's of Mexican descent. And I remember how popular Aurelio Rodriguez was when he played here. Uh, that It would be great if, uh, you know, Paredes made it. He's a, it looks like he's got big-time power potential. Yeah, I think they're I think they're most excited about him, and that doesn't take anything away from Jamer Candelario. But I think they just think the upside is is big on, on Paredes. It'll be interesting to see, Pat. Uh, you know, we've we've talked a lot about the top young prospects for the Tigers. Probably most of them are still a couple of years away. We might see a few this year. We've talked right. about them, like a Christian Stewart or a Michael Gerber. He's probably not a top top prospect, but he is certainly one of their top fifteen. Um, but we'll see a lot of them in spring training, I would think. I would think we'd probably see an inning or two-plus from all the top four pitching prospects, wouldn't you think? Well, Baito, Burroughs, Perez, Manning. I think Perez, you know, I was looking at these. Again, uh, an inning or two here or there. Yes. And then, well, and then those guys are all going to be on the fast track, at least three of those guys. I think Manning's a little further behind Well, he's younger. in the next couple of years. Yeah, Manning, uh, second year out last year. Franklin Perez is the same age as Manning. That'll give you an idea where he's at. They are fired up about Franklin Perez. They feel it's a true four-pitch mix. 19 years old at Double A last year. 20 years old. We'll start at Double A this year and uh, just keep an eye on him because he should be in Toledo. You would think by mid-season. 
Fresh arm, too. He was a third baseman, believe it or not, up until two and a half years ago. He was at uh, Ozzie Guillen's Baseball Academy in Venezuela. Uh, he's a bigger kid already, and he's filling out, and he might throw harder as he goes. Carlos Guillen. Uh, uh, Carlos Guillen. Yeah. I say Ozzie Guillen. That was it threw me off there for a moment. Yeah, it's Carlos Guillen, former <laughs> Tiger. Uh, my bad. I apologize for that. But he is uh, somebody that, uh, you know, he's got a pretty good chance uh, to be a star. And I think he's doing these top 100 prospects thing has been undervalued and you know Bo Burrows I saw one that had him in the top 100 but and I don't know you know I've studied all these other different organizations but have done that for a long time if Bo Burrows isn't a top 100 prospect I'd really I don't understand how he could right. be just watching him throw he's he's nearly as advanced and uh Fajardo, who by the way is two years older than Franklin Perez uh he's going to probably move pretty quickly I think he's got a big time slider that he's going to miss a lot of bats in the minor leagues Question is, is he going to start throwing his fastball enough and mix it in and those type of things? But uh should be pretty interesting. Love to hear from you. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Oh, wow, what kind Mike. of bastard you have right now? Mike, Mike. Well that didn't work out so well. I would love to hear from fans what you know, this is the time of year as we've talked about to be optimistic. You've been to Tiger Fest, you listen to players. Anybody, you know, anybody on this team is expecting optimism, expressing optimism at this time. I'd love to hear from fans. What do you think the upside is for this team? Not necessarily how many wins do you think, but what what is the upside if everything went right with this team? Sometimes there is no upside with the team. Early two thousands, there really wasn't a whole lot of upside. I think there's upside with this team. I mean, right now you would think there's somewhere in that seventy to seventy five win range. Yeah, I with, think there's a possibility of better, but I would love to hear from fans. And who would their key player be or key players be if they're going to achieve their upside this year? Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Keith, you're on Tiger Talk here on ninety seven won the ticket. What's up, Keith? Not much, but my two upside guys is Boyd and Norris. And my question is do you think Boyd could develop a, a nasty pitch to go with his arsenal? I think it would make it make make it a lot tougher if he could just develop some kind of nasty pitch. Uh, and then the second one with Norris is, where is Norris compared to where Robbie Ray was uh, when he was here? At, well, the, at the same age, you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think they're very similar, uh, Ray and Norris. I've made that comparison a lot. Robbie Ray before last year had injury issues. Uh, people were writing him off. Uh, but an athletic uh, lefty, uh, uh, he doesn't have the power arm that Robbie Ray has, but he's got four pitches and he's just a little off with his command. I think Daniel Norris to me has a chance to be far better than what, uh, you know, uh, people are kind of rating him right now. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh-huh. If he had a breakout year. So that probably puts the curse on the guy, probably. now. <laughs> and Matt Boyd, I think that's an astute observation you have of him. Dan and I have a disagreement about Matt Boyd. I think that Matt Boyd is a 4A guy. And uh, uh, you think a little bit more of Matt. Uh, I do. I think he could be a solid pitcher. number four starter, four or five starter. And I think, uh, he, I think he has that stuff. I think he has the ability. And I think he's flashed that ability, but so far only flashed it. I, I, you know, and I hope I'm wrong on that. If he's successful, I hope I can give Dan a lot of credit for that, give him credit for it. I'm not rooting against the guy at all. I just, my observation of it is that he's a 4A guy because of what you're saying. 
there's not a pitch that he can put hitters away with. He doesn't have quite the arm or is quite the athlete, and he's older uh, than Daniel Norris. But, uh, you know, okay. we, yeah, we kind of uh, disagree on that one. And like I said, uh, you know, he did have the one game where he almost threw a no-hitter, and he's had moments, but then uh, he'll have moments where he can't get out of the first inning, and his numbers are they're pretty high. So advanced-level uh, college pitcher, uh, to me, he looks just like he's a little short. But, you know, like I said, I hope I'm wrong. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety sevens of the phone number. Uh, Mike, you're on ninety seven one. The ticket, Tiger Talk. What's up? Uh, Dan Ansel would be the Tigers' upside. I think the Tigers' upside is they could be battling for second place if everything went right for them as it went right for the Twins last year. The Twins didn't have much of a pitching staff besides Santana, and all those other people came, you know came together and put something together, especially with a weak bullpen that they had. But this year they had to go get Rodney and some other people. But I think that's the Tigers' upside is that they're pitching game together. And that, you may not say, you know, I mean, you know, if they, they're pitching you know, break even or just above, that they, they, they could be uh, or hang in there with the Twins for second place because they're going to all competing that uh, Cleveland is the, is the team to beat in, in, in the Central. Yeah, it could be Cleveland and um, kind of like the Nationals last year. They just ran away with the East. I can see Cleveland. I mean, right now, I, I would put Cleveland 15 games ahead of the next best team in the Central, wouldn't you, Pat? I mean, I think the Twins are going to fall back this year. I thought they did a great job. I mean, obviously, you go from 59 wins to the wild card, 83 wins. Uh, they did a great job, but I agree that the the pitching is weak behind. I would add Barrios in there with Santana, but they certainly have some holes beyond that, and I think that will end up biting them this year. The Tigers' rotation, I think, has certainly a better upside than the Twins at this moment, and that. I know the Twins can add some arms, but in terms, I mean, everybody thinks it might get you, Darvish. But unless they do, I think uh, the rotation will hold them back this year. To me, everything's wide open after the Indians to clear number one. Well, I'd like the Twins' chances better than the Tigers by a wide well, margin. at this point, certainly. Yeah, you know, I mean, I but think it's not unrealistic to think the Tigers could catch the Twins this year. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I would probably put it in the unrealistic category. Certainly, I would be surprised. Um, but you know, every season takes on a, a different Amazing. realm and, you know, I didn't think the twins would be that good last year and, uh, they shocked me. You talked about analytics. Joe Vavra made a great point. He's the quality control coach for the Tigers. Talked to Tiger Fest or we talked to Tiger Fest a little bit about this, but I thought it was interesting on the caravan that he's the guy who's responsible for bringing that information from the analytics department to the clubhouse to make it meaningful to players. And here's kind of an old school guy, quote unquote. Right. And yet he very much with the twins embraced it last year and he felt like the use of analytics and how it was incorporated into the clubhouse and how it was made meaningful for the players was one of the big reasons the twins and I can believe this because if you look at what the twins had, they they didn't have great starting pitching beyond those two. He felt it was one of the main reasons they improved from fifty nine wins to eighty three wins. They paid attention to certain things emphasize certain things based on analytics, better game planning because of analytics, and they really he really felt like it was the key well, factor. I thought, I thought it was huge, uh, the change for Terry and that's Ryan. That's what analytics can do. Well, they changed general managers from Terry Ryan to Thad Levine. Terry, Terry Ryan was the ultimate old school, and the coaching staff that Ron Gardner hires brought with him is the ultimate old school, except uh, Bazio has a background with Joe Madden. And Joe Varro. Incorporated in analytics with the Twins. With the Twins. So it'll be interesting to see. How, and uh, Gardenhire was exposed to it quite a bit 
uh, in uh, Arizona with a younger general manager who absolutely is one of the analytics guys. So, two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. Um, Dan brought up a great question. How many wins for the Tigers? What are your expectations? What's your upside? Yeah, I'll give my opinion coming up at uh, about seven fifty. How about you, Dan? Give your upside about seven fifty. I want sure. you to give it a number. You want an exact number? All right, I'll narrow it down. We were, we were a little off last I was, year. <laughs> I was so good last year. Let's give it another shot, shall we? Hey, don't remind us. <laughs> don't get that tape out. Tiger Talk ninety seven won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio ninety seven one the ticket. And then myself, uh, I don't think I hit my potential yet. Honestly, I feel that I've been here, here and there with uh, a few starts, but hopefully this year a 100% healthy year will, will change that. This is Michael Fulmer at Tiger Fest. Uh, sounds like he's throwing already, uh, doing bullpens, all kinds of different things. Yep. Uh, be 100% ready for uh, spring training after uh, the surgery uh, to kind of move uh, the joint over to relieve pressure on his elbow. Right, and I, I think it's it's a. I think that's how I would describe it. Uh, it's moving the nerve, nerve yeah. something like that. you transpositioning the nerve. I, I don't know if you didn't. I'm not a medical doctor. Or, you know. <laughs> you Maybe. Know, you're an expert in so many areas. I just assumed you were. Yeah, not, uh, not that. <laughs> but it is worth remembering. I mean, as much as he said it didn't really bother him in starts, uh, when you have numbness uh, shooting down your arm into your fingers, at uh, at some point it, it did become an issue during games and. The one thing I look for 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 Michael Fulmer this year, if you want to talk about a guy who's going to step up a level, and I think he will, more swings and misses. The strikeout rate did drop last year, and I think he told us the slider never really got to where he wanted it to be. I think the key guy maybe on the staff after Ron Gardenhire, and this is a really good coaching staff, is Chris Basio. I really believe that. I think he's already looked at each one of these guys, figured out some things that already can make them better, and his track record says he will. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Hey Joe, you're on Tiger Talk at ninety seven won the ticket. What's up, Joe? Uh, nothing much. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Uh, well, I just uh, I wanted to answer Dan's question about what the fans uh, upside or what their yeah. uh, expectations may be. Um, I, I quite frankly, I mean, I'm I'm looking at this season with an open mind. I know the win total. You know, it's not going to be as sexy as you know as previous years, 90-plus wins. I mean, what, what I'm looking for in the team is uh, just consistent improvement every year. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming that the kind of transition we're going through is a little bit closer to something that happened in the early 80s, you know, 81, 82, 83, where the team's getting better every year and you can see it and you can, you know, get see how close these guys are coming until they uh, uh, get to a, a championship season. Uh, you know, I'd much rather be at this stage versus something like the uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, where, yes. you know, you're trying to contend and it's kind of stale and you don't know which, which you know, which route the team's going. But I'm excited. I want to see these guys play. It'll be, uh, you know, the Mud Hens North. But, hey, you got to take your lunch in order to be the champs one day. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, you know, uh, and uh, they do still have some premier uh, players on the team. Now they have to have bounce-back years, but that could help them a little bit more. You know, uh, say Miguel Cabrera, it's like uh, Jim Leland pointed out, Miguel Cabrera is Miguel Cabrera. That'll help him win some games. V-Mart, you know, his health was a big issue last year. Is he going to bounce back that way? Uh, Jordan Zimmerman, I think, is capable of pitching better. Nobody talks about that, but 
I think he is capable of pitching better than he did last year. So I'm not trying to paint some rosy picture, but I, I don't no, know. I mean, there is po- I mean, these are guys who've actually done it before. Yeah. And so. sometimes, in the case of like Vmart, only one year removed from a really good season. I know he's 39. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'd be it, the lineup worries me more than almost any other spot. Although the bullpen really has some question marks as well. But they they have to have a bat step up for this lineup to be any kind of a force after, especially the top four spots, maybe the top five, depending on what Jamer Candelario can do. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, Jamer looks like he's a pretty good hitter to me. So uh, you know, and defensively, he's definitely got the athleticism and mechanics. I know his metrics weren't very good when he came up. Yeah, last beware time. of small sample sizes. Yeah. I think you and I talked. I asked Omar Vizquel about that because he was grading out poorly in the first three weeks, and he said, "I see great." First step, quickness and soft hands. And, I mean, Omar was always very honest when I asked him about players and their their defensive abilities. So he was very high on Candelario, and I think that's important. I want to, you know, Cassianos is 20. He can really hit. He, you know, he could really have a big year offensively, and I wonder what he's going to do in right field. I know that some said he was adequate out there, I didn't see it that way. But I know that the work ethic is definitely there. So perhaps there will be improvement with it. It's all about that first step quickness and reaction off the bat. It really is because he has speed, clearly. I mean, he was, right. he was a much better runner last year. And that first step quickness, can you get to balls? I thought the arm played pretty well. Not all infield arm, arms translate to outfield. I thought right. his did, at least when I would see him out, especially working early. I will be interested to see if he can at least if he's average in right field with the way he finished at the plate. You know, you know, this is an observation to be a force in right field that I've made about it. You know, it's not like he hasn't spent time out there either. Uh, as a third baseman, a lot of his time with the shift now was spent in short right, shallow right field. Yeah, so uh, you know, he's seen the ball from that side. You know, coming not to a small him. thing, not a small thing. So we'll see uh, how it all ultimately uh, shakes out. Love to hear from you. Like, uh, Garrett, you're on Tiger Talk, a 97 won the ticket. What's up, buddy? You know, it's it's good to talk to you, Dan. I uh, wasn't able to get out to Tiger Fest, but uh, the season's short, and, or the season is, uh, you know, slowly upon us, and uh, actually I might be uh, heading down to go visit my aunt in Lakeland, so hopefully I'll uh, stop by and say hi good at some deal. point. It's a, great, it's a great facility. I do enjoy it. But yes. uh, I wanted to answer Pat's question on the upside, and I think uh, – for me, my realistic win total, I would be lying if I said that they would probably be under 70 wins. Uh, I think you mentioned, Dan, that there is still talent on this team. I do think Fulmer's going to you know, have his, his step back this year, Cabrera, or not his step back, but a step forward again this year. Cabrera's going to obviously be healthier. And you mentioned everything I was going to say about Castellanos. I do also like the fact that if you get good years out of Wilson and Green, you have trade chips there that I think a lot of teams are good because people seem to forget that Shane Green, for the better part of three months last season, was absolutely sensational. And when he needed to be the team's closer, he was just that. I mean, obviously, I know he wasn't pitching in necessarily high-pressure situations, but there were some games where, you know, especially early in the year, he came in and did his job. So I'm expecting about 72-73 wins this season. Um but, Dan, I wanted to ask you something uh, about baseball in general right now, and I think it has something to do with this uh, off season. And, you know, a lot of guys now are still left unsigned, and, and obviously J.D. And, and you, Darvish, a lot of them. I mean, is analytics really playing into a lot of this reason why they're not signed? Or, you know, is it really just maybe a stalemate between just these teams and 
trying to focus too much on their future? I mean, I know well, that's the, kind of the way it's yeah, going. It's the question of the offseason, Garrett, and, and we appreciate the call. Uh, I thought Jeff Pats and Garrett wrote a, a terrific piece on this uh, a little over a week ago. It, I've read it. I've reread it. Many have written about what's going on this offseason. I thought Jeff Passan nailed it because he said it really wasn't a, of all the some of the, the excuses you're hearing. Uh, he he kind of dismissed each one, and he, and he explained why. Here's to me of a long story. This, I thought, was the part that just – I thought he just nailed it. What's clear is the free agent impasse represents a reckoning long in the making, one that marries shifting power in labor relations – the emergence of analytics and the cookie-cutter front offices and the willingness of teams to treat competitiveness as an option, not a priority. I think those three things, I think he touched on all three big things, but I think the analytics and groupthink, whatever you want to call it, across front offices, and you can't blame front offices for maybe not wanting to spend, what does Scott Boros want for J.D. Martinez, $200 million? Yeah, well, the offer that uh, has been... I mean, teams aren't dumb. They know that he's a below-average and a minus defensive player, and well, for all of his offensive talents, that's a problem. Well, he used to be giving out all these long-term contracts. Uh, the minus so ending I, the offer on the table. Are, there are many facets to it. I think that's that's the main thing. I think that's a Jeff Passan from Yahoo Sports that it's worth reading because he touches on a lot of things that are also going to come up in the years ahead in terms of relations between the players union and the owners. Well, there's no doubt that he touched all the food groups about what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. It's not one thing. It's, it's long all, in the making. Yeah, and it's uh, it's all those things. You know, he's he's absolutely right about that. And the offers that somebody like J.D. Martinez is getting are fair. I mean, the the offer that's on the table, my understanding. Five years, 100? Is that five, the... five years, 125. That's more than fair. That's $25 million a year for a guy who's uh, he's in the prime of his prime has already passed. He's going to be 31, I think. Yes, he'll uh, be 30, I believe, this year. Yeah, so uh, the five years, I mean, by the end of that, see, teams have had a lot of regret about some of those deals. Now, Scott Boros, you know, called this a cancer on the game. Uh, I don't believe it is. I think it's actually a correction of the game. The Tigers would be foolish to keep going in the same mode. Al Avila is absolutely right with what he's doing. Uh, if you talk to Al, this is something that 10 years down the road, he hopes, pays uh, dividends for the Tigers. And he's not expecting some big long-term rebuild. He's expecting that when they get into position, then they'll go spend money but do it wisely. You know, teams overspending to try to win 80 games doesn't make a lot of sense. So teams, are, this is different than the collusion of the 80s that some people will try to, right. Scott Boros might, you know, try, I don't know if he has or not, try to, you know, put into it. It's just, you know, being smart, you know, uh, and, you know, the teams that are spending are spending. You know, the Yankees went out and got guys, but they're not just doing it to do it for that feel-good news conference. We all found out what the feel-good news conference often means. <laughs> you feel good for a day. Yeah, you have buyer's remorse a lot. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Hey, it's great to be here. Tiger Talk. Let's talk some baseball. You're on ninety seven one The Ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1, the ticket. No matter, you know, what the information is given, you still have to teach baseball. You still have to, it's got to be fundamentally sound. You have to throw the ball over the plate and you have to catch the ball. You can't give extra outs. You can't walk people. Um, Diamondbacks did that very well. We had played good defense and all those things. The Twins, we did that for a long time. This ball club's done that too. Ron Gardner, Tiger Fest, 248-539-9797. Pack, put Dan Dickerson here. 
I'm glad you brought that up uh, earlier about how he will be out there fielding ground balls in pitchers' fielding practice and feeding the ball to the pitcher so they understand the correct way to go across the bag. I thought, because I'd forgotten that he said that, and it, it, I think it is a great insight into his into his teaching methods and why they're successful. Yeah, I think uh, you'll see the Tigers, the younger players, at minimum, be taught how to be pros. Uh, there won't be a lot of hijinks uh, and uh, sour I don't know. Young players sometimes get off track in a certain way. Ron Gardenhire will, you know, he'll he'll stand the stay the course and make sure they're right on, <laughs> you know, uh, playing the game the right way. Sean, you're on ninety-seven. Won the ticket. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up? Nothing like talking baseball with this beautiful weather today. Absolutely yeah. perfect. Eight <laughs> inches of snow. Let's talk baseball. Mm-hmm. Right, right. One of the cool things uh, about having a young team is where they come out of nowhere and they surprise people, and you can see them gel together. Like the 06 Tigers, although we had, you know, some big free agent acquisitions, they did come out of nowhere. What I'm worried about is you can't build a whole team on prospects, and this seems to be hopefully more of a two-year plan rather than a four-year plan. But guys like Fulmer and Cassiano, as you guys have touched on, are these guys we're going to build around, or are these guys we're going to deal when the Yankees come calling this year and and then we develop a guy and then we lose him and, and say Norris breaks out and we lose him like, where, when do we put our foot down and we're just we're going to embrace our prospects instead of dealing them for more and maybe setting ourselves back another half a year or a year? Well, to me, Shane Green's different than Michael Fulmer. To me, Michael Fulmer, a uh, lot more control time, uh, somebody that you got in a trade uh, as a prospect, um, starting pitcher, uh, higher upside than Shane Green, with all due respect to the progress he made. Shane Green's me is somebody that would be an ideal trade piece at come trade deadline, kind of like a Justin Wilson of uh, 2018. You know, if he performs well, uh, I wouldn't hesitate to move him if I were able to get top prospects uh, when the leverage is at its most. You know, Justin Wilson uh, would help the Tigers this year. He was, you know, somebody that they made a trade for. Uh, Shane Green would help the Tigers maybe in the future if he's like Justin Wilson was last year. But they got three pieces for him, two of them. Uh, just looking at them, looked like pretty high-end prospects and Isaac Paredes and Candeliero, uh, you know. So you, you, that's what you're trying to do. You, you know? hold on to Castellanos and Fulmer to me. Uh, Castellanos, you? it depends on Free whether. in two years. I'm big on the metrics, Dan, you know that. And his, yeah. he's got uh, bad he's metrics. He's got to show you something in right field. Yeah, for sure. Well, he's hitting, uh, he's hitting the cover off the ball. I mean, yes. The lineup has a chance, unlike, you know, what you think, uh, Dan, is I think the lineup could actually be okay. I'm more worried about the rotation. We got a slew of arms on the way, yeah. so that's good. I just, um, just a little worried about where they're where they're heading financially. They probably fielded, obviously, a ton of calls for Fulmer, and they held him, which is encouraging to me. But to me, even I mean, obviously, the Wilson trailer is great now, but even Wilson was a guy that you know he was pretty cheap. Obviously, just all going to come down to money. But it'll be interesting to see what direction they take, and maybe next year or a year and a half down the line, and who's still here and and where the prospects are at, obviously. Yeah, you know, I appreciate the calls, good thoughts. I, I you know, uh, yeah, I love the Yankees are interested in Fulmer talk. Everybody's interested in Fulmer. <laughs> I mean, if you look at him metrically, you look at, uh, you know, the the raw data on him, all those things. Castellanos, Shane Green, different, you know. And Castellanos is interested because he's a Tiger. You know, they drafted him. Uh, they procured him the whole time. But, you know, defensively, he's been a disaster. I mean, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. So uh, teams look at that metrically. His value isn't what you think it is. But here's the thing. 
that kid can really hit. And there was one thing that wasn't a metrics, but it was, you know, the new uh, data, his exit velocity last year, especially early in the year, was off the charts. And he could be, you know, kind of like a J.D. Mart. I know that sounds ridiculous. Except he could be a J.D. Martinez type of hitter. Sounds ridiculous, except for the fact that in the Bill James handbook, they do it two different ways. He was number one in the major leagues in consistent hard hit contact. Yeah. As a percentage of plate appearances. He's 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 got a big upside as a hitter. He's a good. He's number always been one able. in the major leagues. Oh, he, he finished on a tear. But uh, no, if he gets, if he is an average defender and right. And again, small sample size, well below average. He's an average defender in right field with an upside offensively. That's a pretty valuable player. Maybe you extend him. You know, uh, by the way, I wanted to get to that. You know, I agree with you. And plus, he's a Tiger. Okay, everybody likes him. Maybe you extend him. You know, he's who doesn't like Nick Castellanos? And here's the thing. Uh, I got their wins. He's 25, about to turn 26. Go ahead. I got The 26 is when you start to go into your prime. So he hasn't even hit his prime. And he's not even close to his prime of prime, which is 28 to 30. I had the Tigers at 75 wins. Am I like an optimistic fool? No, I had him at 74. Just a fool, I thought you would say. No, uh, <laughs> I'm 74, so we're kind that's of a 10, That's day. a 10-win improvement. Yeah. If everything went right, I mean, you could you could maybe get to 500. Right. But that's, that's if Norris and Boyd do what I think they can do, and Zimmerman's back to being Zimmerman. That's three big ifs. The general formula, just for fans, I always think this is fun. Try to predict yourself. A team that outscores its opponents by 75 runs, roughly. This is the formula. If you outscore your opponents by 75 runs, that's a 90-win team. Go from there. You score as much as your opponents, you're, you're obviously a 500 team. That's the formula. And so if, as you try to figure out, what is the upside? If you get outscored by 100 runs, you go in the opposite direction, below 500. All right. It's it's a fun exercise. Try to figure out how good will they be at run prevention and how good will they be offensively, runs per game. And they all have some pieces, too, to trade at the deadline. I mean, I already know uh, Iglesias. You wouldn't, would not you trade Fulmer for – I would trade Fulmer uh, for anything, period. Uh, End know, of story. I would never say never, but it would really be something that would be, like, off the charts. I wouldn't trade him. I mean, plus he's a good leader. You know that. You've been in the room. He's awesome. Um, you know, he's a guy that uh, you want to build your team around. And by the time he gets good, you're hoping to be good. So you you're trying to five find, more years. You're trying five. to find Michael Fulmer, guys. You're not trying to <laughs> trade him. So, yeah, I'm not uh, for trading him, but – you know, uh, it would be very difficult. Yeah, I'm sure the Cubs wanted him, too. No, no, hey, really? <laughs> what a surprise. Anyway, Dan, enjoyed it as always. No, it can't be over. It's over. It, it is already. Pistons Weekly is coming up next. Did they make a trade today or something? Uh, 97 won the ticket. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 